0: Welcome
1: to Baseball America's Arizona Fall League podcast, sponsored by Bowman. Bowman, the first place to find the game's future stars. Visit tops.com for the latest Bowman product
2: news. Now it's time to talk baseball.
1: Thanks for joining us, folks. Kyle Glazer alongside Josh Norris here in the Baseball America studios. Josh, you just returned from covering the first week of the Arizona Fall League first thing I got to ask you is so many great prospects so many guys that we see their names consistently pop up but this was an opportunity to see a lot of them in a short time frame in action coming back who were the guys that you felt like really jumped out to you or really in your eyes maybe even raised their stock a little bit
2: I don't know about raising his stock because he was already in top 25 prospect on our thing but Gleyber Torres was the one who jumped out at me I got to see him twice he had a a massive uh, opposite field home run, played a smooth shortstop and a second base because uh, David Fletcher was a shortstop that day. Um, strong throwing arm, just performed did everything you want, and then saved us from extra innings for a, a fourth time by uh, going against Rowan Wick. He kind of picked through the curveballs he didn't want, got the fastball he did, and lined it for what would have been a double if he had needed that second extra base, but it was a walk-off single. Just... He, he was a star, and he looks like a star in the making. It, it's very clear why he's among the Yankees' top prospects.
1: You know, it's interesting. I think sometimes we see these younger, toolsy middle infield guys, and sometimes we're like, well, we know it might look good on a highlight reel, but how's it going to play? Those little things you mentioned, laying off the off-speed pitches, controlling the strike zone, coming up in key spots, and it seems like Glaber's a guy who checks all those boxes, which in a lot of ways can be the separator for these young, toolsy middle infielders.
2: Yeah, and he's 19 years old, and... Yeah, like I said, with that, with that at bat, I saw it last year with Raphael Devers in, in Greenville. Was, he was here for Greensboro, and he came up, I think it was a pinch hit roll, and he just kind of worked the guy to get the pitch he wanted, kind of fouled off everything that he didn't want until he got the pitch he wanted and lined it for a home run uh, just inside the right field foul pole. And Klaver showed that same ability to just pick through pitches and get what he wants. Just all around, he was excellent all week.
1: You know, Glaber's a guy that we know is is very highly touted, very highly regarded. One guy who just continues to do things this year, when really coming in, no one knew about him was Ramon Laureano. Uh, he was a guy that went into Lancaster, you know, 16th round pick from a JC two years ago, older, smaller, not a guy that fit much of a prospect profile, but he goes out and leads the entire minor leagues in OPS continues to perform after the jump to double a shows up week one of the arizona fall league and wins player of the week i mean what did you see from loriano he just hit
2: man every time i'm doing the the video i'm labeling it this morning and it's pitcher versus ramon loriano in parentheses hit pitcher versus ramon loriano in parentheses double and he's very quiet um about it but he's he just hit he's one of those Astros prospects who's going to jump up on you.
1: You know, it's interesting. I saw him a little bit in Lancaster uh, when I was in the Cal League uh, the first part of this year, and then I spoke to a couple evaluators about him, and they talk about, you know, there might not be a carrying tool, but he does everything well. And it's one of those things where if you do everything well, you control the strike zone, there's no real weaknesses in your game, someone will find a spot for you, and that's why I made sure to put him on my Cal League top 20. That's why I think it's it's looking smart how we've, you know, focused on him a little bit now that he's starting to perform, because you're right. I mean, it seems like every at-bat, every swing he takes, you know, you don't see him take many bad swings. You really don't.
2: And you can do that in the fall league, because there are a lot of really good pitchers, and he just didn't. But if you have a lot of fives on your card, that's okay. I mean, that's still a major leaguer. Right,
1: that's still a big leaguer. I mean, <laughs> as long as you don't have any threes on there, which he really doesn't. no I mean... You know, I think there's a lot here that's going to play, and it, it's been interesting to see, okay, it's one thing to do it in Lancaster in the Cal League as an older prospect, and then, you know, even though he did it once he got bumped up to AA, it was a smaller sample size, so I think there maybe was still rightfully a little bit of skepticism, kind of an okay but, but I think for him to go out in the fall league and just gangbusters against the best of the best of the best, it's like, okay, this might be real.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hitter's league for sure and the first week of the, the, the Fall League is usually pitchers knocking off the rust after two, three weeks of not pitching, so those games take three and a half, four hours, <laughs> but, and they're a lot of scores. I mean, but, but, I mean, he passed the eye test for you, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, most of those guys, I mean, there's a lot of really, really good prospects out there. Last year, Wilson Contreras was in, the, was in there. Now he's in the, uh, the, the National League Championship Series. Gary Sanchez was in there. He, that was his real turning point last year. And then he comes in to 20 home runs in, like, a month and a half. <laughs> 52 games, 20 home runs. Yeah, 52 games, runs. 20 home runs. And he's looking very much like everything they thought he would be before his stock dropped, and now it's, you know, back up. But if you go out there,
1: you will see studs, period. You know, one guy that's always intrigued me, and uh, we saw Tyler O'Neill hit a baseball 400 feet off of a tee. Yep. And also here in the first week of the fall, I believe he just hit his third home run yeah, last night. three. You know, it's interesting. He's a guy that when I was doing the Mariners midseason prospect update, I mean, I knew the name, I knew he was a guy, but as I started talking to people, they were saying, this guy hits home runs, hits balls so far and so hard to every part of the park, I haven't seen anything like it. I mean, people who I know are not um, people who like to embellish things, I should say, in the game, saying things like, honestly, he hits home runs to right field that look like Prince Fielder got into one, you know, hitting from the left side, and then some of the balls he hits... You know to any park at any elevation i mean sea level whatever it's gonna go 450 feet so for him to hit 400 feet off of a tee then go out three bombs right off the bat in the fall league i mean just what were your impressions of him and and how crazy his power is well first of all he's guy that he's so muscled up it's
2: frightening he He, wreck it ralph
1: his double a team uh had a meme of wreck it ralph and i remember thinking that kind of works. He makes it look like Popeye should get in the gym. <laughs> I mean,
2: he's he's stunning. It just it's a 400 feet off a tee and he called the shot. That's we he, he said the, to try to do it last year and came up a little short. And this year he was gonna do it and he did it. And it didn't even fully hit me what he had just done. Cause usually in that hitting challenge, they like aim for the guy in the hamster ball or the target down the line. The Does dinosaur. That, the dinosaur, <laughs> that, the dinosaurs were new this year. Um, but he just, I'm t- hitting it out, and it wasn't down the lines. It was to the left center field alleyway, It was about 400 feet once it got onto the berm, which you've got to think about how crazy that is. Absolutely. And yeah. it, but it's interesting because his power plays in games. Right. In the game that I did see him homer, he was about 385, but he didn't get it. He did not get it all, and it was a line drive, and it just kept going. He's
1: unbelievably strong, and you mentioned he can hit it anywhere. Safeco is going to be no problem for him. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. They talk about, you know, he's such a muscled up guy, but he's an underrated athlete as well in the sense his bat speed is exceptional. It's not like he's a big, stiff, right-handed hitter who just, you know, muscles everything up. His bat speed, the words I keep hearing are lightning, exceptional, elite. You add in the fact, too, that he's actually a decent enough athlete, he handles right field pretty well, has a great arm. You know, anytime you have a guy who does all that and he's not just another big, muscled-up guy there's something there, and I, I'm going to be curious to see you know, if, I feel like we've been on him a little bit, but even before this year, he wasn't a top 100 prospect for us. By mid-season he was, and now you'd have to imagine, with the season he put up, the adjustments he made controlling the strike zone, and now what he's doing in the fall league, he's got to be a consensus top 50 by next year, wouldn't you say? Something
2: like that. I mean, I don't like to, to put a guy in a 50 or a 100 or a 25 until I can sit down and look at the field, but yeah, probably. Uh, he's He's got the bat speed there, like like a Clint Fraser. Maybe not a Javi Baez just yet, but a Clint Fraser, um, who is also Jack. <laughs> yep. A, a different hair, but yeah, and he's he's the Fair. son of two yeah, bodybuilders. Yeah,
1: not just any, but Mr. Canada Terry O'Neill. I mean, like the bodybuilder of the country. That's his dad, and you can. So he knows see how it. to train. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's he's. Exceptional, and the Mariners have an easy number one prospect. I mean, they had some other guys out there too. Well, Kyle Lewis is probably their number one, but O'Neill's. I mean, you've got two guys that are going to be top fifty. That's that's that's, and it and it's a closer argument than I think a lot of people think. I've I've I'm doing the Mariners uh, prospect. Oh, yes, be it for me to tell you who your number one. But but one no, is. you're right. I mean, it's it's something where I think going in, it was kind of funny. You hear people around saying things like, "Oh, the Mariners, it's nice and easy. Kyle Lewis is a clear number one." And don't get me wrong, Kyle Lewis. Is the number one, spoiler alert, it's a lot closer than a lot of people think to the point we're talking about. Okay, maybe Lewis is a number 30 prospect and O'Neill's a number 40. I mean, these guys are legit studs, and, and I think Tyler O'Neal, hopefully, after this coming out party, if you will, at the Fall League, more people are going to understand and appreciate the talent he has. And they've got a couple guys you
2: know about uh, in the Fall League.
1: Um, Luis Gohara. Luis okay.
2: Gohara was bumping 97 uh, and with a dastardly curveball, uh, but he doesn't really have any experience in, in upper levels just yet. Right. And then Tiago Vieira, my goodness, comes in. I remember I was getting up to leave that game because I needed to go to a different game, and that was going to go in 11 innings again, and they had gone 11 <laughs> innings the previous night. I said, all right, I, this is going to be some weirdo out of the bullpen. And it's, I hear who it is, oh, I'm going to sit back down. And he hit 100 or more eight times. Yep. Uh, I think he ended with one, one of the best pitches I've ever seen which is 102, and it was just cutting, just cutting like it had somewhere to be away from Mauricio Dubon, and he he spun himself into the ground
1: like a corkscrew. You know, Tyga Vieira is fascinating to me because, again, a guy I saw even earlier this year in Bakersfield, and he was 96, 97. There was no triple digits. And then a couple months go by, and I didn't get a chance to see Bakersfield just because of scheduling and U.S. collegiate national team and all that other stuff, and I'm on the phone with some of the Mariners folks, and they're like, yo, he's hitting 100 now. I'm like, really? I'm like yeah he's hitting 100 he hasn't allowed to run in six weeks it's like really and then i kept checking on him and by the end of the year what was 96 97 and turned into 100 was now 102 by the end and it's interesting talking to the mariners people there's just so much they all feel so proud because he was a raw arm brazilian picked up six years ago even coming into this year command delivery wasn't there straightened himself out and now he's an Oh my goodness! Type of relief pitcher.
2: Yeah, I mean they're gonna if they add him to the bullpen eventually with Edwin Diaz, they've got a and home, Dan
1: Altavilla who's hitting 100.
2: They've got a homegrown Batansis Chapman uh, Miller type. Situation. They just need
1: a lefty, Dad. In yeah, there for, but yeah, no. But,
2: and also, we're talking about two Brazilians here, in Gohara and uh, Vieira, which is a little weird to think about. The Mariners have the monopoly on Brazilians.
1: You know what? And it just goes to show, I mean, obviously, you have to see the hotbeds of the Dominican and the Venezuela, but there's always going to be talent, you know, to find it. Max Kepler, Germany. Yep. I mean, Tim Tebow, Philippines. (laughs) So, we'll we'll get to Tebow in a second, but first I want to focus on the other guys. You know, uh, you mentioned Gohar and Vieira. uh, Talk about some of the other guys. You talked about were position players. What other pitchers really stood out to you during your week out there? You know, I don't think anybody really... Oh, James
2: Caprillion. I'm sorry, I forgot about James Caprillion. I don't mean to sound like I'm banging on a lot of Yankees here, but James Caprillion was impressive. I mean, he hadn't pitched in a competitive game outside the fall, uh, the Instructional League since late April, and he was, you know, he had all four pitches working. He was 92-96, uh, touch 97, um, slider, kind of cut slider away at 87, and he had the changeup and the curveball working too, and he struck out six in three innings of one-hit ball. I mean, there's a better way to announce your presence at you're back. Uh, he was the number one, you know, number first, fifth, first round, round pick, pick for, overall
1: for a reason. And a frontline ace at one of college baseball's premier programs. I mean, this isn't some guy that is under the radar, everyone's known him, just needed to get healthy and now he is, and he looks like the first rounder he was.
2: I remember I saw that week I saw him and two other dudes whose names I can't remember right now in the U C L A rotation come here to North Carolina for the Irish Classic. And I think they allowed three hits the, all weekend. Uh, Caprillion struck out 15
1: the next guy threw a one hitter and the guy after that was like a two hitter It was like a run. As a native SoCal uh, kid I can tell you that when John Savage uh, wants a pitcher he gets a pitcher and I have never seen another program that will lose five six seven frontline pitchers to the draft and somehow still have five more coming in. I mean if you if you're a pitcher and you go to UCLA you're gonna get coached up and you're gonna turn out to be likely really freaking good and it's and I think Caprillian uh, as long as he stays healthy and you know if he can do what he did in the fall league I think the Yankees you know have to be excited because you look at their starting rotation now Considering the steps back, some of their guys took, like Luis Severino and Pineda. Michael Pineda. And then you look at other guys like you know Chad Green, Luis Sessa, who were fine, but I don't think anyone looks at them and says, ooh, this is my you know number three starter for the next decade. But I will say that getting both those guys in a deal for Justin Wilson. Oh, I agree. It was a great acquisition. But I'm just saying I think there's definitely room for Caprillian in the Yankees rotation as long as he keeps doing what he's doing.
2: Yeah. He, I mean, Brian Cashman, on the record, said this year there was an outside chance of him making the major leagues this year, this past year, if he didn't get hurt. And obviously he did. Um, but it was up to allegedly 99 before uh, he got hurt. So you've got him um, and they acquire, they've got uh, Chance Adams coming up right now, who came from closer at DBU to one of the best starters in the minor leagues. They acquired Justice Sheffield from uh, Cleveland they, they've done a really good job restocking their harm system.
1: Absolutely, so we've talked about Mariners prospects and Yankees prospects as groups of guys that really stood out to you was there another team whose crop out there you know, just seared into your memory a little bit?
2: I mean, there were some guys that I didn't get to see I really wish I had gotten to see the Mesa club they had, I mean, Eloy Jimenez was on that club Ian Happ was on that club and another guy who I, not on the Cubs um, who I do like who I, I think is an underrated prospect is Greg Allen with the Indians, Very much he can agree. do. A, he can switch hitter. He's got more than a little power. He can
1: run. He can
2: hit. He's a I mean, he's a five tool player. He's
1: I, a guy that I uh, I actually saw at San Diego State, and South I State. got to San San Diego State. He was Greg Allen, San Diego State center fielder that uh, year. They went to uh, Lake Elsinore Regional, and uh, he was re- that when they played uh, UCSB in that Lake Elsinore Regional, and Allen was a guy who I just remember. You know, I saw him there, and then I saw him again at the Cal Carolina League All Star Game this year. And he's a guy, who just wreaks havoc on the base pass. I mean, you mentioned guy who you know spray the ball all over the field, get on the base pass, do things just get in a pitcher's head. I mean, he's your classic leadoff hitter who just is going to make life miserable. And even if he's not leading off for you, he can still do enough in the out of the eight spot that to be an effective major leaguer. I think he could be a little down further in that lineup. I think he hit two. That, that, that's what you're talking about—a guy who, with the speed, contact profile, plays a great center field. There, there's a lot to like there. Yeah, I mean, you can put him in a lineup with Brad Zimmer eventually, and uh, we'll see
2: what, what Michael Brantley does uh, if he comes back healthy at some point. That Indians lineup—that Indians, not to mention Tyler Naquin, who's yes. up there now. Yeah, Tyler Naquin. <laughs> Shout out to Teddy Cahill, Tyler Naquin's number one fan. Who's, who's...
1: Hey, I'm on the Tyler Naquin bandwagon. The guy's so amazing. He, he he was on <laughs> Naquin's bandwagon since birth. Fair point. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. But you mentioned those Cubs and Indians teams. I mean, those are two teams that I think we see a lot of success, obviously, at the major league level, given they're both on the verge of the World Series, potentially. Uh, but then you look up and down their system, there's talent everywhere. It's not like they're one of those organizations that are really top-heavy but have nothing at bottom, or one of those organizations where, oh, we have a great farm system, but the whole point of having a good farm system is to create wins at the major league level, and they can't seem to do it. I mean, the Indians and Cubs, I think, are probably you could argue the two most complete organizations in baseball right now given the talent the level the Dodgers as well so i mean two of the top 3 you know maybe someone else i'm sure we're forgetting but the point is you know that okay we have a great group of guys at the major league level and we have depth throughout the minor league system yeah they're they've, they've done it right you know, you mentioned the Dodgers. They had a number of really high-profile prospects out there. Cody Bellinger, Alex Verdugo, Willie Calhoun. Just what were your impressions of, of that big trio? I mean, nothing that, that's going to break anybody's uh, jump off the page here.
2: But, I mean, Cody Bellinger looks like a complete hitter. Looks like he can go line to line, smooth, easy swing from the left side. Uh, Verdugo, quickest hips I've seen in a while. <laughs> he just snakes those suckers through there, and there's easy, easy power there. I'm uh, From from his spray charge, it looks like it's all pull. But it's gonna go a mile. And Willie Calhoun for a guy his size
1: can just hit charge hits. in the ball. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he uh, he took Dylan Tate way out on the last day I was there, I think. That was a fun group to watch when they were in Ranch Cucamonga last year and they helped Ranch Cucamonga uh, get to uh, get to the Cal League title. I remember seeing that group and, and you could definitely see the potential in all of them and seeing the steps forward they've taken. You know, it's going to be interesting to, to see how they all move forward because I think they all have strengths, but like every prospect, they all have weaknesses too. Calhoun's defense, Bellinger—I think some people are concerned about his ability to hit for average. For Dugo, there's you know some other things there. I, I think it'll be interesting to see just how they all develop because the end of, at the end of the day, these are talented kids who have a lot more development. There's not any finished products here, but it's exciting to see. Here's what they did in high last year. Here's what they were able to do in Double A this year, and now here's what they're doing in the fall against the best of the best. Mm-hmm, no question and I think with that we move to the elephant in the room Mr. Tebow yeah so obviously a lot of hype a lot of hoopla more fans than ever before for a fall league game uh, just what were your initial impressions of just everything he's a good draw but a bad baseball player um, he's a big
2: big boy uh, a nice fella he'll talk your ear off about everything but he can't He's, he's, it's, he looks like a guy who was almost 30 years old who hasn't played in a decade. I mean, he's against some of the best of the best, and it shows. He you know, just got his first hit yesterday. Yeah. Um, before that, he's I think he's now his one for 14 with like eight strikeouts. I mean, before I left, he was doing a good job of not just waving at everything. Um, I can give him that. It, he doesn't like lefties at all. They will they will murder him. Um, Corey Luttrell was the first strikeout he had. It was, you know... Uh, a, a left hander coming from way up top, so it was gonna, the ball's coming behind his head, and he swung and missed three times. Uh, Gabe Spire of the Diamondbacks did the same thing to him.
1: Uh, he's. He doesn't belong there. He belongs broadcasting football, period you know I'll be interested to see how uh, how it develops um obviously it's it's tricky when you know he's also missing weekends and you know it's, it is was well, week 1 so I'll be out there November 7th through 11th which is the second to last week so at least speaking for myself I'll be interested to see you know how he looks there cuz I think that's always important too I mean you mentioned he looks like a guy who's almost 30 and hasn't played Uh, competitive baseball in a very long time but you know it is week one coming back from that so I'll be curious to see if by week five week six once he's had those 30-40 at-bats and gets a better look at the competition level what adjustments he makes I'm hesitant to say anything definitive really about anyone under any circumstances after one week but I I do see your point that you know there's a pretty steep thing to make up here and it's not unreasonable to suggest it's too steep yeah I mean it's it's a long haul for anybody to get to the major leagues
2: and it's a long haul for a lot of these guys in the fall league to get to the major leagues and they've been playing competitively all their lives and they've been working toward this goal all their lives and he's had a decade off it's tough to be good at anything when you have a decade off from it unless you're a savant of some kind absolutely Uh, i mean and i don't think tim tebow is a baseball savant
1: period well, we'll see how he develops. Uh, on a, the other side of that, I do want to talk. You know, we talked about the guys who really impressed you during the fall league, um, non-Tim Tebow chapter. Who were some of the guys you saw that maybe you know didn't have the best weeks, or, or I don't know if disappointed is the right word, or maybe weren't what you might have been expecting. Yeah, I mean,
2: Brent Honeywell didn't didn't he got he got ripped a little bit, um, but that was mostly because he left the ball up. I know I know what Brent Honeywell can do when he's healthy, and he can be very nasty. I assume we'll see him next year here in Durham with. Chi Wei Hu and Willie Adams which would be a really fun Durham team. Uh, Francis Martez had issues with his con, uh, command that day. Uh, he, was, he walked a lot of people and gave up a lot of hits. I was expecting a little more from him. And we should go back here for a second and mention a guy who kind of did jump out. who was Steven Gonsalves, who was, uh, yeah. who was, matched, who was matched up against um, Martez that night. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't light up the radar gun, he, he doesn't hit 90. Uh, much. But he knows how to pitch. But he can pitch, man. He can put it He can put it anywhere inside, outside, and that changeup is a swing and miss pitch. And he kind of stymied them for three innings except for uh, Harrison Bader, home run. You know, he, he looked really good. I didn't quite know what to expect from him because I hadn't seen him since Happy League, I don't think. And he was really good.
1: <laughs> he had some quick innings. One guy that, that I think is very interesting, and uh, you had tweeted something about him, and then he actually called you out on it the oh, next Travis day. De Travis Demerit.
2: Okay, so let's let's tell that story.
1: <laughs> so Travis Demerit was facing uh, Luis Gohara on one of the days, and he who, got, in fairness, has a ridiculous slider. I mean, just I or, 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 that. This pitch was a curve, but the point is, he knows how to spin it. Yeah, Luis Gohara knows how to spin a baseball. Either way, he he's he put a breaking ball by him, and Luis or uh, Demerit
2: kind of twisted up into a little bit of a pretzel. He. He didn't look good on it.
1: And wasn't the only guy that stood by the way. (laughs) That's
2: more a testament to Gohara than anything. Yeah. Well, he learned. The next time out, he faced Gohara, and he hit a home run. And I had tweeted that demerit kind of got twisted into a pretzel by Gohara, and he quote tweets it and comes back and says, and today, (laughs) and I laughed a lot about it because it's funny, but he was actually really impressive in the fall league. He looks like a hitter, and he's really good at second base. I think the the Braves got themselves a little bit of a steal in that
1: deal. You know, it was really interesting because it's funny. I saw him in high desert a bunch, and then I move out here, and he gets traded out here, and I see him at Zebulon a bunch. Um, You know, he's a guy that you would see one at bat where he was swinging at 55-foot breaking balls, looking like a guy who had no idea what he was doing at the plate. I mean, looking like a high school hitter almost. And then the very next at bat... You'd see a 94 mile an hour fastball, good pitch in on the hands, and he'd get his wrists around like that, and crush it, you know, down the line for a double. It was so, it, you know, the I, me and a couple of scouts were talking. Times it's like, okay, which which guy is he? Is he the guy that can hit anything to any you know any direction of the, of the field with really quick hands, or is he the guy that's going to swing and miss so much? at breaking balls in the dirt, it's not going to matter. And I think it's interesting to see how he's developing because the thing with him was always breaking balls down, fastballs up, he would struggle with those. But performing well in the fall league and developing through that, I think goes a long way to alleviating some of those concerns. Because there's no question, he's got the athleticism. I I do like the guy's uh, makeup, having spoken with him a few times. He can definitely field, he can run, he he can make the throws. It's just a matter of... Is he going to make the adjustments at the plate to be successful? He'll get a big test next year in AA Mississippi. Yes, he will. You know, you've been to the Arizona Fall League a few years now. This is your fourth one. How would you say just overall the the overall crop this year compared to years past? Equal, lesser, higher? That's a little lower. Um, Well, we'll see,
2: I guess. But uh, the first year I went, it was Chris Bryant, Addison Russell,
1: Mookie Betts, so it was basically the starting lineup for the 2016 All-Star Game. Yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> um, that, that, that was a really good year. Uh, who else was there
2: that was really good? Um, Corey Seager was also there. So yeah, it, it, was, it was a good year. <laughs> so get, it was the
1: 2016 All-Star Game in San Diego, pretty yes, much. <laughs> so,
2: I mean, but last year, like I said, we had Wilson Contreras there. We had Gary Sanchez there. Alex Reyes was there. Um, one year we had uh, Taiwan Walker, Kyle Zimmer, who's still nasty as all heck, but... Doesn't Can't have a functioning healthy. arm. Um, Mark Appel was there, and then who did he face in that first game? Oh, Diamondbacks. Archie Bradley. It was it was a pretty decent year, and that was all the same day. That was <laughs> one game, and then go to the next one. It was all four pitchers collected. Um, this is a little down, but again, I think we'll we'll see. If I could be wrong. We'll be maybe we'll talk about, be talking about you know uh, Caprillion and Torres and. Gonsalves, and Martez and Honeywell
1: as the Seager, Russell, Brian, Betts, foursome in a few years. be interesting. And I know uh, we'll have another one of these podcasts when I come back at the end of the month, and we can talk about how different guys, you know, developed from week one to week five and sort of what changed. So I want to add a little bonus content here beyond just the AFL. You were also going around and seeing Instructs. Yes, I was. Instructs in all their glory. Yeah, so a typical day for me out there would have been <laughs>
2: Um, if there's a 10 a.m. Instructs game, which is, you know, happens because that one of the clubs has a team in the playoffs and they want to go watch. So that, that, I would go from one of those to a 12 o'clock and then to a Fall League game or workout or something like that. If, if two games is a light day. Um, but I did see, I think I wound up seeing 17 teams in a week, which is a lot of teams. You have some sleep to catch up on. I think I've caught up. I had 14 hours <laughs> sleep two minutes ago. Um, I went into hibernate mode. But yeah, I saw a lot of instructs, and I'm trying to remember. We saw Melvin Adon with the Giants, who hit 100 once or twice, maybe three times. I um, got to hit more than you'd expect for 100. He didn't didn't there wasn't any base hits, but they made contact more than you'd expect. I saw some some right-hander with the Giant, uh, the Angels named Garrett Richards. <laughs> he seemed pretty good. Um, who else did I get a look at? Uh, the, I saw uh, Yadier Alvarez. I also saw him in spring training in Arizona, so he was still hitting 99 and having a, a dastardly little breaking ball.
1: Um, He's, he looks like a special one, there's no question. I saw Riley Pine hit triple digits um, against the Giants as well. You know, beyond just velocity, because we talk a lot about these guys who, hey, congratulations, you can throw hard, but you also have to be able to set hitters up, you have to be able to pitch you know, to your spots. I mean, did any of these guys strike you as they're not just throwers, they're pitchers who happen to throw hard? No, there's never a... I mean
2: not yet. Pint is was working on a changeup in his second inning. And you could see these working you on a changeup. He's throwing change ups in non-change ups counts, he's throwing a lot of them. And that's what the instructs are for. Right. It, you don't care about wins, losses, whatever. It's developing right. as a player. Um uh, but some some of these guys there were there were guys who could do that, but they weren't um, guys who were throwing
1: really hard either. Right. No, and that's always the thing. People talk about Oh, are you going to Instructs? And I know what we a lot of times try to tell them is, you know, Instructs is not a great place to evaluate. It's a place to see, oh, he's working on this, okay, and move on just because you're right. Some of these guys, they're working, on, they're working on the weakest spots in their game. They're not out there showing what they can do in necessarily the most competitive situations.
2: At one point at the White Sox Instructs game, I watched a pitcher who was born in 1999 and he was the fourth youngest pitcher I'd seen in the last 15 minutes, or fourth youngest player. They at one point sent up three consecutive guys born in the year 2000, the last one born May 31st, 2000. So Literally by. half my life ago. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> that's kind of insane. I mean, that's what we were looking at, you know, new, new signees, um, new draftees. Some guys who are still coming back to work on stuff, maybe guys who were injured during the season and aren't going to fall league. It's a great. It's 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 basically like minor league spring training. When you go to spring training and you go to the backfield, it's the same basic idea. Like they could roll innings. Like if a guy hits thirty pitches or whatever, they can say enough. With, enough is enough. Inning is over. Like in that second inning that Pines pitched, he got one out. Um, but they ended the inning because we don't want to be here all day. We have things to do. Yeah. No. Yeah. But have have tea times at Scottsdale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have to go watch our team. Well, in that Giants game, we have to go watch our team in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's definitely interesting. I think, uh, you know, moving forward, I'm going to be curious to see, you know, all those guys that you got those videos of in Instructs and seeing how they move forward. Because you mentioned there's a lot of good players there. But I feel like guys like that, it's always hard to evaluate, you know, much of anything off, oh, what was the scouting report, off of what someone saw in Instructs. There's just not a lot there that's super-duper telling.
2: I mean, you can see what he's
1: got in his arsenal. Right, and you can you see, know, you're you not going to see basic talent pitch. athleticism, but I mean, in terms of the nitty-gritty of what, you know, eventually separates a guy, it's so far away. I think it's tough to really, truly get a great read on it. That's, that's fair. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, Josh, before we wrap up, any final thoughts on uh, AFL 2016 for the Bear? I, I will say this. Again,
2: we've got five, four and a half weeks left of Arizona Fall League. Go. If you have a chance, go. It's a, a crazy setting. Um, even if Tim Tebow is there, you'll, you'll, you have a lot of chance to see really great prospects in a setting where it's not a full stadium. Um, again,
1: the four years ago was Seager and Bryant and Betts and Russell. Who wouldn't want to go see that when they're pups? Well, and beyond that, I mean, I remember being a student at Arizona State and like, well... I could go to this class on Friday at 12, but I think I'll go to this fall league game instead. It's just a nice environment. Get out in the sun. Do the same thing in spring training, by the way. It's part of the beauty of going to school in Arizona. We here at Baseball America, do not endorse <laughs> class. <laughs> hey, I was an adult at the time, so it wasn't truancy. I was just had other priorities, apparently. at that, I was a senior at that point, anyway. I was done. Arizona State Education, Boys and girls. (laughs) Ouch! Dagger. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I think that'll do it. Uh, For uh, Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for tuning in, folks, and we'll have another AFL podcast after I get back from checking it out here uh, in November. This concludes today's Arizona Fall League podcast.
2: Today's podcast was sponsored by Bowman. Bowman, the first place to find the
1: game's future stars. Visit tops.com for the latest Bowman product news.